Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. The first part of chapter 17, it says, um, they received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily. Listen, listen, listen. They searched the scriptures daily whether, the th- whether those things were so. What Paul was speaking, they went home and they searched out the word daily. I think about a burning fire, like they were on fire. Everything they did, they would leave this place, but like, I can't wait to hear more, but like, we're gonna go back and make sure it's all good. You know what I mean? They were on fire, burning fire. I started a fire this week at my house, rager. I bought, I bought the biggest thing I could find on Amazon, like one of those, those steel ring things. I just built a big old rager. Next thing I know, I see lights, red lights. Two guys come walking up by my side. and say, what you doing? I said, building a fire. They said, don't you know? There's a, uh, what's it called? A, a burn ordinance. I didn't know. No, did not know that. You had a neighbor call. There's something about that, y'all. Just, you know, just eat lights. Come talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Have the guts to come on down off that hill and come, come holler at me, you know? That's what I found in my life. The, the, oftentimes, when I'm most fiery, people will use other people to put out the fire. I could pour some water down. I got to simmer them down because I don't got a fire up in my house. You know what I'm saying? Simmer them down, make them a little bit more like me. They were on fire. When I rolled up today, I I got this sense, like I saw in my mind and like in my being, I felt like I rolled up to my place of what I would say is work for me at times. And I I felt this deep sense of like gut-wrenching, like, like sorrow mixed with like aches. And I wondered today if there wasn't somebody who was rolling up to their place of work or a place that had deep meaning to them and they dreaded walking in because of what it made them feel right now. And I'm just praying that they would be fanned into flame and given a brand new vision for where they head out of this, out of this place today through the reading of God's word. And I wanna start in Acts chapter 17 and I wanna be in verse 16. I wanna read through 31. And I believe the Lord's maybe given, given me a, something really special i just excited to share with you guys. But Paul goes in and out of town, so he's like kicked out of Thessalonica. They basically go to his friend's house named Jason. They hold him ransom, basically, get some money, and they send Paul out. Paul leaves, he goes to Berea, he finds a different kind of people, and that different kind of people is what Adam was talking about. Like when he spoke the word, they were like eager, I can't wait to hear what more what God's gonna say to me. They would go daily, daily, and search out the scriptures to see what this guy is saying, is it true? They were hungry and they were on fire. So they go down, verse 16. While Paul was waiting, after he's been kicked out, he goes down to Athens. While Paul is waiting in Athens, it says he was deeply troubled by all of the idols he saw everywhere in the city. 
This word is a very unique word. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but it says deeply troubled. It is literally like enraged from within, like a burning fire began to happen. When he walks into this town, a burn happens as he looks into the city and he sees idols everywhere. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. Verse 18 and 19, basically it says that he comes across a couple groups of people, uh, the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans were people who just believed in life is all pleasure. And the Stoics were people who said literally like, life is so serious, we have to be about ourselves. And if we're to go into dishonor, it's better to go ahead and kill yourself than to live in dishonor. So Paul comes in contact with these two groups of people that he finds there. And they're like, what's this? They call him a word. Like, what's this babbler saying to everybody? The word they use is this like derogatory term. Apparently it was a bad word, like seed picker. What is this seed picker coming down here doing? Picking seeds and throwing random seeds out. And what it really meant was, what is this guy coming in here who's basically copied different teachings from all the different people and then figured out his own thing? And then he's trying to start his own religion, basically. So they're trying to figure out, what is this guy Paul here trying to do? Verse 19, they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things and we want to know what it's all about. This area of the town was before the iPhone, but I believe it was like the past day iPhone because this is the place where all of the brand new news would come and everyone would gather to hear the news from all across the world, the known world, basically. So if you can think of like those 10 second snippets, you've got people bringing all the news all over the place. This is the place to come where people are burning to find the new big idea. I believe this, honestly, this story, although it's in a different context, it feels much like our world today. People are burning for a brand new idea, only to find that their coals are simmering out to nothing. And many of us find ourselves with more information, more money, more stuff than we've ever had, more food. And yet we find ourselves with our head on our steering wheel saying, what the heck am I doing here? Anybody? Yeah. I pray that the Lord fans into flame the gift that he's given us so that we are set ablaze in this day with people whose coals have simmered to nothing so that they're to experience the true fire of the risen King Jesus. And I pray that our fire would burn bright. God, would you cause fire? God, would you send fire among dry bones at times, God? Would you give us a song in our mouth, oh God? And I pray that you would open our eyes to see today. Open eyes to see the reality today, Lord, please. May we not be sucked in, but may we be circumspect in these days. I just pray that in your name, Jesus. They took him to this place where all the big ideas were shared. Verse 22. So Paul, standing before the council, he addressed them like this. Now picture this. They've made fun of him. He's in front of all the people who are interested in the big idea. He's had fire in his guts about the idols that are all around this city. 
I mean, I don't know what to do with myself, but I'm so impassioned because it's so wrong. Anybody? This is Paul. Here's what he now says. Can you imagine what you might say or somebody you know might say? With the fire in his guts, he says, men of Athens, I know that you are very religious in every way. They're like, wow, He's, he knows us. Yeah, we are. For as I was walking along, I saw many shrines, he said. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to the unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Remember last week I said, when you see God moving, join him. God is at work, join him. He recognized what the spirit of God was actually doing in the hearts of these people. They're searching for fire. They're hungry. There's a conviction that you don't have it all figured out. There's more out there that I haven't yet attained. Paul, in beautiful spiritual wisdom, that is not flattery, by the way, it's true. I see that you are very religious people. I see what my father has done. And he brings them an encouragement before he speaks anything else. I pray as we step into our culture that God gives us spiritual wisdom in these days to speak his words, not even our own thoughts and ideas. Because Paul is on fire with them because he sees the wrong. What does he do with the fire? I promise you, this is a man who's communing with God. He's asking, he's praying, he's seeking, and he finds what to say in spiritual wisdom and insight given him generously by our God. Many of us are speaking before we listen, and I pray that we would be people who listen before we speak. And Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom from on high. You said you would. You're a generous God, not for our glory, but for yours. He is the God who made the world, verse 24, and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And the human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every single need. Now, I kind of skipped through, and I did a quick overview of the Stoics and the Epicureans, but Paul had studied the Stoics and the Epicureans because everything he's saying speaks directly to their own personal theology of what they believed about God. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist, as some of your poets have said. That is one of the teachings, I believe it was the Epicureans. They believed that God was in everything. So he then speaks the truth, and he's like, you found some truth here. God's in everything, and not only is he in everything and you believe it, hey, one of your local rappers said it in the song, you know what I mean? He's speaking cultural reference. Listen, man, like, I see a lot of people on these videos bashing pastors for being culturally relevant. This is all over the Bible. Jesus was culturally relevant. And I just want to caution us. Let's not be people that are quick to throw the stone. Let's just not be quick. Let's be quick to listen. And then let's study what's being said like the Bereans. Is it true? Might not be how I would have delivered it. Is it true? And if it's true... Receive it with thanksgiving because it's the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving this word in a very creative manner. That's amazing. 
But we're so quick to throw stones because what they're doing is not like what I would do. Paul was on fire, but what he did with the fire was very, very important. Verse 27, I don't know where I stopped reading. I'm going to start reading 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. He's not far from you. For in him we live and move and exist. And as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. See, he takes a positive and then expresses the negative. Fascinating. I mean, incredible teacher. Fantastically wise. But I pray that the Lord, when you go into your workplace, you go into families, and you're seeing all the stuff that's causing burns, like, Lord, what are you doing? Let me connect right there to it. Then let me speak into it with your wisdom. Paul is using profound wisdom. Verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. And he proved to everyone, this is still the word for us today. He proves to everyone. If you want proof of God, you go search out Jesus himself. He proved to everyone who this person is by raising him from the dead. That is still the proof for us today. If you want proof of who Jesus is, go discern the resurrection of the dead. Figure it out for yourself and you will find some answers. But what motivated Paul deeply? Was it the news? What motivated him deeply? Was it even just the response of these people are doing it different than me? The motivating response from Paul was his experience of Jesus. He recognized that he had been the exact same way. Remember what he said? In my ignorance, I was living life. And then he called me to himself. God overlooked ignorance in the past, but he's calling you to himself. Repent and turn to him. He's given the same message that Jesus gave to him. Come follow me, Paul. But what did he do about his deep trouble? I pray that this word, which I was sitting at lunch with a dear friend of mine, and we were talking. He didn't even know what he was speaking into, but he's, he said, um, he said uh, we have the ministry of confronting, not arguing. In this day today, you have the ministry of con confrontation. Yes, we do. We have the ministry of speaking the truth, but we do not have the ministry of arguing. We don't have to argue. You'll never see, Paul's not arguing. He's reasoning and he's speaking with them, but he's not coming over them, controlling them, dominating anybody. They end up doing that to him. We do have the ministry of confrontation and I promise you, Christianity doesn't happen by osmosis. I, I, don't, I don't believe in it at all. When people say, I'm just gonna be Jesus, I'm gonna sit there in silence. I promise you, sometimes that word, if God tells you to be quiet, be quiet. But eventually there's coming a day where you must speak the truth. You're gonna have to speak. You're gonna have to tell them. But speak when he says speak. And I caution you, speak what he says to speak. Slow down and listen. 
Don't speak too quick. But when he says to speak, speak. And just listen to the word of God. Let God's word be true and everyone else a liar. (laughs) I don't care what people tell you. This is the right way to do it. No, listen to the spirit of God. Do what he says because he might tell you to do some strange stuff. Some of y'all might find yourself preaching on a street corner one day. And then some of y'all might find spending a year with somebody until the Lord's like, speak to that person now. I don't know. There's no formula for it. I despise formulas if you can't tell. But what burn are you experiencing today? The good question is, are you experiencing a burn today? I pray so. Because as Jesus looks out over the city of Jerusalem, he experienced a deep burn as he sobbed and he wept. And he said, if you only knew who entered your city today, there was a weeping over his own people. There was a burn within Paul because he saw the injustice, the wrong, the deception. And he was so wise in what he did. Jesus was so wise in what he did. He wept over them. Is there a burn at all? And what is the burn? As I was thinking about this story, I just want to tell you, I haven't always burned over my city. In fact, I burned so hard and I didn't see what I expected to happen. I got discouraged. Anybody ever been there? And I promise you, when I speak to you that somebody came by and tried to douse water on my fire, like it happened for years, I felt like, and I found myself like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't even care. You want to burn? Burn. (laughs) Like That was my mentality, and that's terrible, but it's true. Do you want to live? Live, because I don't care anymore. You forget there, the fire starts to go out. There's a strange story in 2 Samuel 11 about a different kind of burn. It was a man named David. In 2 Samuel 11, this man was burning in a very different way. Maybe you find yourself in this place, but in 2 Samuel 11, it says, in the spring of the year, the time when the kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. He said, go on out without me. We'll stay back. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened one late afternoon. That's one of my favorite phrases. It just happened one late afternoon. You know, that least expected moment, one late afternoon, we were just hanging, sitting on the couch, watching Netflix. We were chilling, having a great old time. My army's at victory and I'm sitting here living the high life. When David arose from his couch, I love that one late afternoon, he got up from the couch. walked out onto the roof of the king's house and he saw from a roof a woman bathing and the woman was very, very beautiful. Very different burn. Come on. Very different burn. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, ladies, I'm sure it's not like sight for y'all or nothing like that. It's a little bit different. But like, there is a burn. Like, when you see something you desire, like, I want that in my life. Whatever that is, I want some of that. Burning. Different kind of fire. 
The fire you feed grows bright. The fire you feed grows bright. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he found himself sitting on the couch when he should have been out at battle, when he should have been, should have, should have, should have, should have, all the shoulds, you know, should have, should have, I know I should. I'm tired. Anybody? Somebody poured water on my fire. I don't want to go. We all have within us a flesh and a spirit. And here's what I want to encourage everybody by. I'm like, I talk to so many people. They're like, why can't I just break this thing? I mean, if God was really powerful, then I wouldn't be dealing with this. If I was really saved, I wouldn't have these kind of feelings. If you weren't saved, you would have no conviction. And I'm not just stating the case that like, blanket statement for everybody, but Everyone has a spirit that comes alive when you come to salvation in Jesus. Your spirit comes alive. But your flesh is the process of death, dying. That's why, man, like, I'll, I'll walk with somebody to Jesus and they've never been around or they weren't born into, like, the, the Christian faith. And they're like, you know, they're like praying, like, God help this, you know, blankety blank friend of mine because he's a blank, blank, you know. And you're like, and some of the, pearl clutchers are clutching their pearls, you know, but like they don't know until they get closer to Jesus. They start seeing who he is and they're, man, I want to be more like Jesus. I'm not even like Jesus. I didn't know he saved me like he did. It gets better and better. The more I realize it's more beautiful and beautiful, but that beauty begins to transform their life and the process of flesh dying. But David, the man after God's own heart, the anointed king of Israel, finds himself in a place he should have never been in. Shoulda, 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 shoulda. What the heck does he do with that? He writes Psalm 51. I'm gonna read that here in a second. But I wanna share a couple things because I just believe this is the word the Lord's given me just to share with you guys. But how we see today and what we see is largely inspired by the company we keep or the lack thereof. How we see today or what we are seeing today is largely determined by the company we keep or the lack thereof. Paul was waiting for his friends who were on mission with him. In his waiting, he didn't stay still because he knew his mission and call in his life. I know why I'm here. I'm sticking to it. I got to burn. I'm not separating my heart from God's heart. I'm communing with him, getting a word from him, and I'm speaking boldly, but I'm not leaving my mission. David, on the other hand, was quick to leave his mission. He found himself alone. And this is what Proverbs says about the person who finds himself alone. Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Have you found yourself desiring to get away? That is, I don't believe it's wrong. Get away, but why, what are you running to when you're getting away? If you look for isolation because you hate where you are, you will find yourself, if you're not careful, you, desire, you might just find yourself in, the, in a place of burnout, seeking what you really desire where nobody will find out or see. Have you found yourself here? I have. 
I have. It's me. I wrote this for me. You break out against all sound judgment because nobody's around you to say, stop, stop, stop. I love you too much. You don't love yourself right now, but I love you enough to tell you to stop. Come on now, that's the word for real. I hope you heard it. I'm so disappointed in others or I'm disappointed in myself. I don't care about myself, so I'm gonna do what I know I shouldn't do because it makes me numb and I'm just mad at myself. But then 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes later to a group of people and he says, listen, if there's really no resurrection, let's feast, drink, for tomorrow we're gonna die. Don't be fooled by those who say these kind of things. For bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what's right. Stop sinning. Stop doing it wrong. Stop it. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. You're not on that process of growth. You might not even know him. You find yourself staying. Well, hey guys, I want to encourage you. Don't even isolate in that place. If you find yourself, you're like, man, I'm, this describes me. I encourage you to press in, not away. We've all been there. You're not alone. But he's saying, hey guys, if you've, if you've been in this long enough, press in together. Stop walking away from what God's invited you into because I just want to tell you what he's invited you into is wonderful. Has anybody found deep satisfaction in the things that God says stop doing? Has anybody found it? I, try, I went a far way. Anybody gone pretty far? We don't want to brag on that, but like we went pretty far, right? I didn't find it. Anybody found it? The next day is horrible. He's saying, guys, stop sinning because he wants to give you more. He wants to satisfy your desires. Are you hungry? Come and eat. But the time, listen, 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 hear him. The time of ignorance is past. Come awake. Come awake. It's no longer live in deception. Ignorance is past. If you didn't find it when you're 18, you ain't find it when you're 35. And you sure as heck ain't finding it at 65. Come on now. Let's go. But let's go together. So what do we do? I'm like, all right, great, Jay. What do we do? I want to join with good company, number one. Join with good company. You're like, that's the last thing I want. See my mess? Good company has also probably experienced mess. And the scripture tells us that if we've been forgiven much, we're going to love much. Good company's probably been forgiven a lot. You know what I'm saying? Because before they knew, they had a ton of fun. They were just going after whatever they wanted. And I just want to tell you, like, good company is love and company. The greatest love we can find is, number one, I want to commune with God. Number one, I want to commune with God. The deepest love relationship, guys, daily the Bereans were searching out the word of God, searching the heart of God. I want to know his heart. I want to connect deeply with the love of God. And then as I connect deeply from the love of God, I'm going to have so much to give away, but I'm going to connect with the people, the family of God. I'm going to commune with the family of God. Paul was going after the mission of God with the family of God. 
There is no rogue soldiers. Jay, I need you in my life. You see me. Jay, I see. I see you. Jay, I see. I see the call in your life. And I'm going to call it out when other people have called different things out in your life. I'm going to call that out in your life. Right? We're going to build one another up. We're going to see far more than we would have seen alone. And we're going to experience a communion with God because of the people of God. You discover elements of God in the context of relationship that you won't always find if you study words on a page. When you do life with each other, you'll experience the words on the page. I want to encourage you, if you have lived your life in solitude, isolation, I want to invite you out of that and into something brand new. Not a perfect people, but a forgiven people. I want to do what Paul did. I'm going to join with good company. I'm going to commune with God. I'm going to commune with family. And in this communion, here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen before we speak. I'm going to listen before I speak. Everybody be quiet. I don't want to hear your ideas. I don't want to hear your podcasts. I don't, I, I don't care. I don't care. There's 14,000 podcasts and a lot smarter people than me and you talking. Nobody cares. We don't need it. Listen. Listen. And I think a lot of the podcasts would do better if they listen first. Talking too much nonsense. Listen before we speak. The last thing is, when I speak, I want to speak in love. I don't want to speak in love. But I'm going to speak the truth in love. I will not withhold the truth. And listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. The greatest hate is not mean talking. It's not talking at all. It's indifference. The greatest hate I could have for my child is indifference to what they do or say, and I don't care because you're not my concern. It's the greatest form of hate, greatest lack of love is to not care at all. So I'm going to love and listen, but I am going to speak up in a place of love according to what God has given us because what God has said is good and I don't care what anybody else is peddling. It might sound good for a moment. It's not good for forever. That's why Paul says, we are going to stand before the one who's seated in the place of judgment, who has right authority. We're all gonna stand there. The time of ignorance is over. Go search for yourself. If Jesus raised from the dead, then go figure out what he said because what he said is really, really important. And what all these other people did when they raised from the dead, we can think about what they're saying, okay? But they hadn't done it. Jesse, Jesse's not here. Back on. Who was it, the philosopher that died by eating, drinking mercury? Who was it that we were talking about? Aristotle or something? I think it was Aristotle, but one of them. Basically like the greatest mind of the day brought forth all this amazing stuff and then dies because he drank mercury. Right, but like, this is a good idea. I know everything. Drink mercury, poison to death. It'll kill the cancer and you, by the way. So don't do it. I'm just thinking about like, those things that stand the test of time. The word of God has been like thousands of years now. 
It's proven true, like proven. Societies who adopt it begin to flourish and grow. And listen, I have never met a family who's like, we will search the word, we will do the word, and we will commune with God, and their family just falls to heck. I've just never seen it. I've like never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen them go with, I've never seen it. And I'm not saying you're not going through a hard time, okay? Please don't hear me say that. Hard times come, but you weather the storm like a strong house that has a foundation. So the word says, What do we do if my burn is misplaced, Jay? Okay, great. David is my story. He writes Psalm 51, and this is his prayer. I wanna invite you into this place, and I, I invite our church into this place because I just believe this is where that fan begins to fan that flame that's the right kind of flame. But he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Do you remember the moment when he met you? Do you remember it? And if you don't remember it, then he wants to meet you today. Right where you are in the middle of whatever you're feeling, experiencing, going through, have done, thinking about doing. David says, I remember that moment. Restore to me the joy when salvation happened, when the prison door of my heart opened and you set me free, would you make me be willing to obey you? I don't even want to do what you say anymore. Would you make me be willing? I can't even will myself. Some of you are tired of willing yourself. Invite him to make you obey, desire obedience. Then after this happens, after joy floods my heart again, then I'm gonna teach your ways to rebels. Then I'm gonna get to teaching. And they're gonna respond because they see the transformation in my life, not just the words I say. Before we say a thing, Lord, would you restore the joy of salvation in this room? Holy Spirit, I just pray you bring to remembrance the moment that that happened for us. Verse 14, then he says his sin was murder, but verse 14 says, forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. He had become a murderer, <laughs> the God who saves me. Forgive me for murder. <sighs> then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. 
If you have, keep going. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. I want to work my way back to rightness. If you really wanted that, I'd do it. I don't even want that. I mean, that's it. He knows the heart of God. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. A heart that says, I see the change I need, and today I want to make it, and I'm sorrowful that I haven't moved in the ways of my Father. I didn't believe you. I believe my own way. I don't believe you're good. I believed I was good. Would you forgive me for this? Would you remind me of true joy? But that heart, I want to tell you, if you have that heart right now, he will not reject you. He will never reject a broken heart. He will never crush a bruised reed, so the scripture says. He welcomes you with open arms. Forgiveness is yours in the person of Jesus as all that was paid for on the cross by his precious blood. He's that kind of good. He's that kind of great. And your sin isn't good enough to beat him. Not good enough. So today I pray that he would unseal our lips, that the past can be in the past and we can begin to move into a brand new day together, forgiven and set ablaze by his presence. If that's you today, we're gonna sing a song. It's just like, we're gonna sing a, a song of response together, but perfect love awake in me. Perfect love awake in me. If you desire prayer today in any way, whether that be, I need physical healing, I need spiritual healing, I need, I need emotional healing. I, I'm looking to have my lips unsealed that I speak the praise of God because I've had a fire, but right now I'm burning in a different kind of way and I got to move. I encourage you to move with that fire as he's like literally breathing oxygen into the right kind of fire into your heart. Move on it. Don't sit on it. If you find yourself sitting on the couch, you'll find yourself in a place you don't desire it to be later. So if the fire is burning and you know it's a word from the Lord, move in response. I don't care how foolish you feel. Today is the day. I believe he wants to meet us here. Lord, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you're kind. I thank you that you've called each one of us in this room. I thank you for your care in each one of our lives and allowing us to do this together. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would continue to breathe upon hearts today. Breathe upon those embers that like feel like they're going out, but they're not out. I pray that that would be more intense and more intense and today would be a day of turning back to you and that you would loosen our lips for praise. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, let's pray.